Good morning. It is uh, it's a great joy to be with you this morning. I appreciate the invitation. Thanks, Miriam, for letting me come hang out uh, with you folks. Every once in a while, they cut me loose from the sanctuary um, to, to come and to, to join with you, and I'm excited to be here today. Um, I'm really excited that I've been given the small subject of music through the ages uh, to talk about. So get comfy. I'll, tr- I'll try to keep it as brief as I can, but this is, uh, this is exciting for me to be able to talk about something that, that I'm passionate about and something that uh, hopefully some of you are as well, something that we've just participated in, uh, this gift of music. So I'm going to touch on some things this morning as we go, and we don't have time to really get into the details. And let's be honest, if we really got into the details, I'd probably lose a lot of you in the first five minutes because there's a lot to it. So we're going to hit on just a few things. But before we do that, let's pray. God, what a gift this day it is. Today is your day, God, the day that you have made. So we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. And God, my desire right now in this moment is for more of you and for less of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what do you think about? What comes to your mind when I mention the topic of music in the history of the church? Think about it. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? For some folks, it's maybe a giant cathedral with stained glass windows and a huge pipe organ and a choir. For others, it might be uh, a modern worship service that meets in a strip mall somewhere. Um, it's a variety of things for everybody, what this concept of, of music and worship. But regardless of that, music has always played a vital role in the worship of God's people throughout the history of the church. So let's take a peek um, at some of the history this morning. Um, we're going to start by looking at Scripture, uh, how music plays a role in Scripture. And I don't know if you've paid much attention to how music uh, is involved in Scripture or not, but we're going to touch on a few things. So the first time that we see music mentioned in Scripture is in the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis. It's in chapter 4. What happens is we see a little bit of a lineage of Cain and Abel. And this is it, Genesis chapter 4, verse 21. In the midst of this lineage, it says, His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play the harp and the flute. Now, it doesn't really talk about music and worship or music being used to praise God, but it mentions that music is a part of culture from early on. We see in the early days of existence of humankind that music plays a role. And we see not just there, but throughout much of Scripture how it plays another role. The first time we ever see the experience of music used in praise of God to give God thanks happens in Exodus. This is a, 
This is a song from Moses and Moses' sister Miriam, following the, the Israelites' delivery from the hands of the Egyptians. Exodus 15, verses 1 through 2, and then 20 through 21 says this. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And then skipping ahead, then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang, them, sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea." You know, when was the last time that you sang a song of praise to God for hurling your enemies into the sea? It makes me wonder what in the world did that song sound like? Uh, when they were singing this song, what in the world did that sound like? And of course, probably one of the most obvious places in Scripture when we think of songs is Psalms, the book of Psalms. It's, a, it's known as the song book of the Bible. But some theologians and historians would even go further and say that the Psalms is the history book of the Bible because it tells the history of God's people in the book of Psalms. So um, one of the things that I love so much about the book of Psalms is the vulnerability found. There's just something when the psalmist writes and sings to God that, you know, it's like no holds barred. I'm going to tell God exactly how I feel, and I really don't care what anybody has to say or what God has to think about this. So listen to this psalm. Psalm 74 verse 1 says, Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? Let's sing that one here in a few minutes. You know, I, there's no holds barred. God, this is how we feel. We are angry. Why in the world would you do this? We see vulnerability. It's a relationship with God that's being established through psalms and through music. You know, um, it happens throughout all of the psalms. It's, it's words set to tunes as what takes place in the psalms. And also they use literary tools. And it was so that people could remember God's story, could remember God's saving deeds in their lives. They would even use all these literary tools to help remember. If, I don't know about you, but I've used a number of things to help remember things in my life. But they would use these psalms, and a lot of times they would be acrostic. So what they would do is the beginning of each new line of a psalm would begin with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet just as a way to remember and to be able to tell from one generation to the next. There was a, a special, not just a special purpose, but a practical purpose behind the music of the Old Testament. And we, we even do that today. When we come together and we sing, we remember, we recall God's saving acts throughout history. You know, music was a powerful force in Scripture. You may not know this, but perhaps you do, but... Um, at times, when there was an army that it was going to battle for God, the people on the front line weren't those with the biggest weapons. It was the musicians. The, the singers, the instrumentalists were often the ones that were put in the front line, leading the charge, singing praise, singing thanks, singing about the victory that God was about to give that army. It's pretty amazing. Uh, 
It's not what we would think of today when we think of an army going into battle, but singing this praise, the power that was in music. Here's 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. The front line, singing praise and thanks to God. Well, for time's sake, let's jump to the New Testament. Um, Some would say that the New Testament doesn't have quite as many examples of music, but it's got quite a few if we really dive into it. You know, specifically, if we look at the Gospels, we know that Christ and his disciples sang a psalm at the conclusion of the Lord's or the Last Supper. Matthew chapter 26, verse 30 says this, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so they only had the Old Testament to go off of. You know, they were kind of writing the New Testament as they were going here. But we see the use of music even in Christ and his disciples. We also see it throughout a variety of gospels too. Think about the story of the prodigal son, if you're familiar with that. When the son returned, there was songs of praise and dancing because of the return of the son. Even Paul in his letters and the epistles gives instructions regarding the use of music as well. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul says to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. You know, one of my favorite instances of music in the Bible is the announcement of the birth of Christ. You probably remember this, right, from Christmas time, Luke chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Even the last book of the Bible, Revelation, alludes to the possibility of singing in heaven, in the heavenly choir, as we worship Christ. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 says, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You see that we see the first song, the first use of of music, even in the very first book of the Bible. And here we are at the end in Revelation, seeing and hearing music again. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 7 says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God reigns almighty. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. You know, there's, there's a whole lot more. Man, that was like speeding through those, but there's so many more instances of music in the Bible. But it gives us a taste that music was an important part of the Jewish faith, eventually leading into the Christian faith as well. Well, let's jump ahead. Let's look at the early church. You know, we don't have a whole lot of examples and and. Uh, sources about music and how it was utilized in the early church. In large part, it was because in the early church, their worship services were done in secret. Uh, They were hiding because of incredible persecution against those early Christians. But we do have records that music was utilized in those early days of the church. But one of the earliest records we have of music is something you've probably heard of called chant. 
You may have heard it as Gregorian chant or even plain song chant. Um, it's an unaccompanied line, so no, no instrumental accompaniment, but just a single line. It's monophonic. You can write that down and use that word later today and impress somebody. Monophonic, one sound, one voice that we hear singing this line. Uh, we see it in the first instance in the fourth century, but it isn't until like the eighth, the ninth, and tenth century that we really start to see chant uh, being utilized more in the Gregorian chant. And the reason they use the chant, because the liturgy of the church, the spoken liturgy that they would use, they put it to song so that we could remember and, and uh, have that as we recall and pass down from generation to generation. It, it gave a voice to the church to sing its worship to God. I don't know if any of you grew up Roman Catholic, uh, but you may remember chant um, as you sing through liturgy, uh, communion liturgy, in fact. So I want to uh, share with you just an example of a chant. Um, uh, early days, it was Latin. These days, it's more common to be in English, but I'm going to share this one in Latin. This is from the Sanctus. It's part of the, the communion liturgy, the Holy Communion liturgy. It goes, Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Unceri in Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Well, if we jump ahead a little bit, following the Middle Ages, music starts to become a little more complex. It's not just this line with like three or four notes in it. We add more lines to it. More voices are singing. It's more complex. It's, it's not just the plain song chant. But music during the Reformation took a lot of different forms. Some people said, you know what? Musical instruments are from the devil. They must be gone. Must, you know, at one point, the organ was a brand new instrument. And people had a heart attack over the organ in worship, uh, much like some would have about drums in worship or whatever today. Uh, but they wanted instrument instrumentation all the way gone. Some people said, you know what? No new, no new music. We can only sing the Psalms. We can only sing what's in Scripture. No new music whatsoever. And some said, the more the merrier. Let's add choirs. Let's add more instruments. So there was a variety of ways throughout the Reformation that we see music. But in the 1700s, two young chaps by the name of John and Charles Wesley come onto the scene. And all of a sudden, they're, um, they're experiencing something, a sense of a revival in something called the Methodist movement something that you may know a little bit about, but they sparked a revival in the Christian faith. It was a faith that just wasn't talked about, but it was a faith that was lived out. And music was a vital part of this revival. They were able to set really difficult, very complex theological themes and concepts to music. Uh, 
And what that allowed, it allowed just the everyday ordinary people that could not read and could not write, they could start to learn all of this theology in the church. And it gave them an opportunity to be able to sing these songs and to share their faith with others. It doesn't seem like a big deal right now when in that moment it was huge because it allowed the people, the congregation to once again have a voice in worship. It became a vehicle to praise God once again. And they really helped to chart the course for what we would consider the modern day hymn of the last couple of centuries. Um, even though they didn't write this particular hymn, we, we looked at the Sanctus, that text of Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. Maybe you know this hymn. Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. That sounds a little bit different than Sanctus. But it allowed the people of that day to sing their praise to God. It allowed them to ascribe to God holiness. Well, let's jump ahead. The last 40 or 50 years, we've had a, a lot happening in the world of church music, a huge evolution. Um, when we look at it, there's evolution in instrumentation, the sounds of music, the melodies, the harmonies. Uh, a, a lot of things have changed in these past few decades. One of the things that I find most interesting is allowed us to have a more intimate approach to worship. The hymns of the past few centuries have talked about God and, and God's transcendence, meaning God is huge, God is grand. Um, but what much of the music of the past few decades have done for us, it's allowed us to see God's eminence, the fact that God is present, the fact that God is with us as we worship together in all of life. It's just a, another example how music has been modernized. Now, I'm going to give you another example. Now, this one's not too modern for us. It's probably, I don't know, 20 years old or so now. But it's the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. You may know it, but it goes, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. And if you go to the bridge, it sings, Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. A little bit different than Sanctus and Holy, Holy, Holy. Allowing each generation to be able to sing their praise to God in a manner and a worthy that is a part of their culture. You know, throughout the history of the Jewish and the Christian faith, music has been instrumental, no pun intended. in giving voice to God's people in worship. An expression of our praise, an expression of our adoration, our devotion to God. Music is an incredible vehicle that allows us to share our hearts with God. It's a gift of God. It's a gift from God. It's a gift meant to be used for God. The blogger, Catherine Nichols, she says, music is not an end in itself. Rather, it's a means by which the gospel is proclaimed and by which the people respond in prayer. You see, music and worship is prayer. 
Music and worship is praise. Music and worship is proclamation. And music and worship helps us to tell God's story. You know, it's more than just pretty melodies, more than just catchy beats that allow us to tap our feet and clap our hands. Music allows us to take the focus off of ourselves and onto God. And you know what I I find amazing about my worship through music is that I'm using the very gift that God gave me, the very gift that God put within me, and and all of you too. It may sound differently, uh, but the gift that God has given all of us. And as a result, God blesses us. It's It's a reciprocal relationship in worship through music. We worship God, God blesses us. Don't know about you, That's the kind of God I want to worship, one that chooses to bless us as we worship. And music is a way for us to sing our faith. You know, throughout the past centuries, hymns and modern songs, they've been written in order for people to be able to sing our faith, to be able to share with others. Does a song ever get stuck in your head and you keep singing it over and over and over? It might be because it's a catchy tune, but it might be because of the Holy Spirit singing those songs to you and through you. It's kind of like, you know the song, Jesus Loves Me, right? Even the youngest of children know that song because we pass it down from generation to generation because it's the essence of the gospel. It's, it's the basics that we want to teach our children and our grandchildren. It's vital to what we do as God's people. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Michael, this is great and all, but I, I don't have a great voice. And um, I'd rather not sing too loudly because I don't want to disturb the people around me. Well, I got good news for you. Worship is not about you. And it's not about me. And it's not about your neighbor. It's about God. That's why we are here. And I firmly believe that when we come together, when we sing with all that we have and all that we are, right notes and wrong notes, in tune and out of tune, God takes that and turns it into something beautiful in worship and adoration to God. Did you know that the human voice is the only God-made instrument? All these other instruments we have, they're beautiful, they're wonderful, but they're God-inspired. Within us is the only God-made instrument ever. That gives us lots of great reasons to sing and to praise God. You know, I think about um, the times that I've experienced incredible worship and music. I want to tell you about a, a story that happened to me a number of years ago. I had a choir and we were traveling and we were um, on a choir tour in Nashville. And one of the stops was a a church in in the downtown area of Nashville. And it was a church for the homeless. Um, And in this church, um, they would go and they they would pick up the homeless people that might be living on the streets or in certain areas of town, and they would bring them to this church. They would lead a a Bible study. They would provide a a wonderful meal, and then they would have a worship service. In the choir that I was part of and leading, we we sang as a part of it, and it was such an incredible experience. It was very different than any kind of worship service I'd ever experienced before because it was kind of, it was one of those, anybody have anything they want to share? 
And then if you did, then you stood up and you shared. Well, they asked the question, anybody have uh, something they want to share or something to present? And this lady raised her hand. She goes, she said, I do. And so this was very different for me and the people that I was with. So we thought, well, this is going to be interesting. Um, So the lady stands up and I noticed that she was wearing dark glasses. Um, And then all of a sudden when she stood up, I noticed that she had a cane and she made her way to the front slowly with the help of somebody else. And she stood in the middle. It was kind of like this, almost a setting like this. And I realized that this lady was blind. And uh, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, she started singing Amazing Grace. Now, I've heard Amazing Grace my whole life. I've, I've heard probably thousands of arrangements of this particular hymn. Uh, many different versions are out there. And when she started singing, if I'm completely honest, it wasn't the most musically proficient version I've ever heard. There were wrong notes. Um, she probably changed keys and it was out of tune. Um, but she sang, I could clearly see, she sang from the, the depths of her soul and her heart. And it wasn't until the moment that she's saying, you know, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Think about a homeless person singing, I once was lost, but now I'm fi- found. And then the next line, was blind, but now I see. Streams of tears were rolling down her face, ours too. To be able to witness that and to think this, this woman came to offer her gift to God. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about the person sitting next to me. It wasn't even about the woman who was singing. It was about the God that she was singing to. It was about the God that she was singing about. That's what we do in worship when we come together and join our voices together. So How are you using your voice? I'm not saying that you have to stand up here and sing a solo, um, but but how are you using your voice to to worship God, to to share to God your love and your devotion? You know, music has evolved in the church over the years, and music will continue to evolve over the next years, the next decades, the next centuries. But the incredible thing is that God will not change. We will, our styles will, our tunes will, our rhythms will, but God will not change. Whether we sing Sanctus, Holy, 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 Open the Eyes of My Heart, or something brand new, God is still worthy of our worship in our praise, and God is still holy. You know, God will always be worthy of our worship. And what a privilege, what a privilege it is to be able to sing and to make music to our God. I wanna, I wanna close our time together this morning with a prayer, uh, a little bit different prayer, uh, because I wanna share, this is a hymn um, that I want to 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 pray and to speak over us to God. 
It's a hymn called, When in Our Music, God is Glorified. I've asked them to put the words on the screen so that you can see um, these words. They're so powerful and I think very fitting uh, for us today. So let's pray together. When in our music, God is glorified and all adoration leaves no room for pride. It is though the whole creation cried, hallelujah. How often making music we have found a new dimension in the world of sound as worship moved us to a more profound hallelujah. So is the church in liturgy and song in faith and love through centuries of wrong borne witness to the truth in every tongue. Hallelujah. And did not Jesus sing a psalm that night when utmost evil strove against the light? Then let us sing for whom he won the fight. Hallelujah. Let every instrument be tuned for praise. Let all rejoice who have a voice to raise. And may God give us faith to sing always. Hallelujah. Amen.